0: Welcome to Speak the Truth, a podcast devoted to giving biblical truth for educating, equipping, and encouraging the individual and local church and counseling and discipleship. Hello, hello, hello. It's good to be back. We have a full house this morning. Who's in studio with us today? Oh, I said it.
1: Yay, we're all back together.
0: Yes, we are. We are. And we, as in Shauna, my beautiful wife, and Jeremy. Lelick who has uh, been out of pocket for a while, but it is a joy to have you back with us, brother. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You're not
1: going to call him your handsome brother? He is handsome. Isn't he? <laughs>
0: He's a good looking older man.
1: Okay, now it's getting awkward. Is it? <laughs> okay.
0: All right. We're excited about uh, today's podcast, and we've got some further podcasts to go along with it. But today, we're going to be really focusing on anxiety. And I know for most of our listeners, anxiety is a pretty familiar topic as it relates to counseling and counselors that we've dealt with. But Jeremy's got some insight for us today and just beginning to survey what anxiety looks like for the Christian and just the reality of anxiety living in a broken, fallen world. So Jeremy, you want to let us know a little bit more about what we're going to be jumping into today? Sure. So as as we discussed uh, this topic, it's a major issue
1: in our world right now. And so I thought we would just do a series, starting with basically a cultural perspective of how the culture views anxiety, and then jump into more of a biblical framework, because there is a quite a distinction there. But I think in my own practice, I'm seeing a lot of people who are really struggling and almost suffocated by their struggle with anxiety. Mm. Mm.
0: Yeah, I know over the years, obviously, in your practice that you've you've obviously dealt with, I mean, could you even, off the top of your head, even Think about how many hours you've put in towards counseling through anxiety. I can tell you since
1: the pandemic in 2020, I would say almost half of my practice right now is anxiety. The other half probably marriage. But anxiety, I'm seeing a lot of people that are struggling with all sorts of fears and phobias and just imprisoned in some ways. That's why I thought it might be a good topic for us to cover on the podcast here today. Yeah,
0: definitely. And that, that is good too, because I think we all, as, as biblical counselors, we have some sort of grassroots thought process around anxiety, how it works, but then we get some of those tougher cases Mm -hmm. and it's like, we kind of run out of material. I say material, like God's word. Like we try to, we try to use God's word to apply it to the the person. And then it just seems, okay, we can't go much further or it always kind of feels that way. Yes. Um, any thoughts on that? Yeah. Anxiety is a very
1: complicated thing. I'm coming at this somewhat from a personal experience perspective, because right after I got really sick with COVID and got out of the hospital, anxiety became a severe struggle for me, even to the point of just paranoid thinking and racing thoughts, intrusive thoughts, not sleeping well at night. And it, it was a really tough monster to fight, so to speak. I have a big compassion and passion for people that struggle with this because it wasn't as simple as just meditating and praying. It
0: was it was an
1: exercise in perseverance, really, at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, that's, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go, go ahead. No, I was going to say that's it's just, it's tough because, I mean, I'm certainly not saying I understand it fully, but I do think at least in the general scope of what that means biblically is just when you're in a position like that, like you literally have no control.
1: It felt like that,
0: yes. I mean, you're, bot- you're at the you're at the mercy of the doctors, whatever mm-hmm. they're able to do. Mm-hmm. Going through that process, and it's just like you're in that position where you truly have to rely on the Lord day to day, and you just realize in those moments that you just you literally have no control. Yes, yes. And as a believer, and as a
1: biblical counselor, and as someone. <clears throat> highly involved in the biblical counseling world, that was the challenge to to not feel a sense of condemnation for Mm. for not being able to just snap out of it. But I researched and anxiety was a part of long COVID from what I understand. So I had never struggled with that kind of thing to that extent before. I mean, everyone experiences some anxiety from time to time, but this was a very different animal for me. Um, And I'm actually going to be, I'm currently working on a book. That I pray and it's a very practical book that I pray. Are you all listening? (laughs) And it's on anxiety and it's it's not a book about anxiety, it's a book about how to how to work through anxiety biblically.
0: So when's the release date on that? (laughs) We shall see. (laughs) It's a work in progress. It's a work in progress. That's good. Let's specifically jump into sort of kind of what we want to dive into this particular episode, and you alluded to earlier before we hit the record button, what that was going to be. You want to, yeah. want to let us know what we're going to be diving into?
1: Yeah. So I thought we might just start with a specific case study, and then if this person was to go and try to find help in the secular arena, what that might look like. Mm. So the case study is a woman named Sally, and this is a, what I'm about to share is it's not an unusual struggle for people that have a specific form of anxiety that the culture would call obsessive compulsive disorder. So it's a woman named Sally and she is a, she is head of the children's ministry at her church Mm. and she loves to minister. She loves children, but she holds a very dark secret. And that secret is that she constantly has intrusive thoughts that she has committed the unpardonable sin against God. Mm -hmm. or she has intrusive thoughts where she's literally cursing God in her mind. And these aren't thoughts that she's contemplating. They just are intrusive thoughts that enter her mind. And so when that happens, she gets extremely anxious and feels like God is going to damn her to hell basically because of her thought processes. So imagine that, that you're a believer and you have these uncontrollable thoughts about the very one that you love, but those thoughts are cursing him. Just how uncomfortable how unsettling that would be as a as a christian
0: yeah Um, that so i was just going to say that would be hard because for any christian who reads their bible on a regular basis would see that it's pretty clear that scripture reveals the fact that god searches the heart and knows the mind mm -hmm. and so our thoughts are exposed hebrews 4 so to speak and so that it's understandable how somebody could get there yes
1: and to complicate things for her Often what she tries to do is go to the scriptures, and when she starts reading the Bible, she'll read a promise, but then she'll have a doubt, Mm. which is reinforcing, maybe I'm not even a believer. Imagine being that person, that the very source of your hope, the Word of God, is actually something when you go to it, it seems to ignite this fear that's going on. And this is more than just a, a lack of theology, this woman knows theology backwards and forwards. She's just in this very tumultuous inner battle in her soul. And as biblical counselors, we want to be very compassionate about that, but also very robust in the way we come to her. But if she were to go to a psychiatrist, for example, the way that our culture tends to view anxiety, quote, anxiety disorders, is they look at it mainly from what we call a medical model or a disease model Mm. that this woman has some sort of brain disease that is causing all of this turmoil. Would that be
0: quote unquote, like a chemical imbalance
1: of sorts? Some would simplify it that way. Many in psychiatry would try to be much more thorough in the way they're going to explain that. But historically now, right now the chemical imbalance theory is suffering in the literature. Mm. It's people are realizing that, That was oversold, but it is still something that I hear all the time that this must be a chemical imbalance. And if you have a chemical imbalance, the idea you go to a doctor, you get a medication and that's supposed to cure the problem. My experience in counseling is I'm not opposed to medication at all. I have a couple of uh, trusted doctors, uh, psychiatrists that if needed, I will refer to They're believers. They don't over medicate. They're very sensitive to people. But my experience is these meds, they, they'll work initially, and then they tend to wear off. They tend to not have the effectiveness with the OCD or obsessive-compulsive disorder and the intrusive thoughts as they did initially. And so people go to the doctors, but they get very discouraged because it isn't a panacea. It doesn't just make it all go away. And if if this woman were to go to a doctor, she would be assessed – through the lens of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, version 5. We're in the fifth version now. And what that looks like is the doctor is going to view her through that lens, and if she meets a certain criteria, then she's going to receive a medical diagnosis. And this medical diagnosis would be obsessive-compulsive disorder. So there there are various anxiety disorders that are noted in the DSM. There are phobias. There's social anxiety disorder, there's panic disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, and then there's obsessive-compulsive disorder. And I'll just read the, the basic criteria here. It's the presence of obsessions, compulsions, or both. Obsessions are defined by recurrent and persistent thoughts, urges, or images that are experienced at some time during the disturbance as intrusive and unwanted. And the individual attempts to ignore or suppress such thoughts, urges, images or to neutralize them with some other thought or action. That would be a compulsion. Compulsions are defined by repetitive behaviors, hand-washing, ordering, checking, or mental acts like praying, counting, repeating words silently that the individual feels driven to perform in response to an obsession and the behaviors or mental acts are aimed at preventing or reducing anxiety and distress. So that's the basic definition or explanation of obsessive compulsive disorder. Put it very simply, the person has an obsession, I've committed the unpardonable sin, and so they develop some sort of ritual that becomes their compulsion. For this woman, it was praying, okay? And so she would meditate or pray and she would and that it's very important. I'm not saying that's not a good thing. <clears throat> But let's ask the question, what was her motivation in right. prayer? Why is she praying? And for her, the motivation was prayer, for her prayer was to get rid of anxiety. It really wasn't about worshiping God. It really wasn't about intimacy with God. It wasn't about experiencing the presence of a faithful God with, while you're having anxiety. Yeah. It was to make it go away. And the terrible cycle here is that she feels better for maybe 10 minutes, and then here we go again. And so a person like this, if it's really severe, this could be like every 10 minutes she's having to battle. So it could literally take up hours of her day. I've had I've had people that I counsel that they have a ritual with so many obsessions in terms of just getting ready for the day. It would take them like five hours to get ready to go out to go to work because they had so many rituals.
0: So it's very enslaving, very sad. Yeah. It reminded me of an episode of, I forgot the show, but it was a a guy that would work out over 40 times a day. Oh, wow. And the motivating reason as to why is because he had a fear of death. But the way that it manifested itself is, is that he would go and work out. It literally would take five or six hours out of his day. He would go work out at a place for 10 minutes, do a quick exercise. And from there, knowing that he has to go to the grocery store, he'd stop at two other places to go work out. Mm. He had gym memberships at like 10 different gyms. Wow. But just, just to put that in perspective yes. of what that you're saying. that was the show Obsessed. Yeah. Obsessed. Yeah. yeah. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. It is actually – we would just watch it because for us, it's, I mean, those are case studies like with Absolutely. real people. Absolutely. And you get to watch how, the, how that actually plays itself out in their lives to your point like – something that we take for granted like something that it takes us 10 minutes to do could literally take hours for somebody else to do who struggles with those sorts of things. Yes, that's good. Wow. And that right there sounds like a
1: classic issue of obsessive compulsive disorder. There's this obsession about death and the compulsion was to spend all that time and energy trying to avoid it through working out <laughs> or prolong prolonged death. Prolong the imminence in- of death. Yeah. When culturally we come at people in this diagnostic fashion, what we've actually done or what I've explained, and I'm simplifying things. I'm I'm not trying to diss any profession or anything like that. But in a general sense, this is not really getting to the heart. For Sally to go to the doctor, get some medications because she fits in a description, those descriptors aren't giving us any information about etiology and etiology is what's causing this what's why is this happening so biblical counseling we want to go a bit deeper and i'm a firm believer especially with something like this that we have to look at both the physiological implications of what might be going on as well as obviously and most importantly the spiritual but in a nutshell sally if she were to just approach her struggle from a secular perspective this might be one of the avenues that she would go to. If she went to a therapist, she would learn all kinds of probably cognitive behavioral mechanisms to try to navigate that issue.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's interesting (laughs) coming back to the motivation factor. So it's as you, as a biblical counselor, understanding the causation of it, and having biblical categories like sin in the general sense that physiologically things are broken. Yes. Things are, and that impacts the immaterial, right? So there's a lot of things to consider in processing that, yes, and that's the task that's before us.
1: And so. I think it's important, even as we're using God's Word,
0: we want to be careful
1: that that doesn't just become another compulsion to make the anxiety go away. We would never send someone, or I wouldn't, send someone with cancer to just memorize Bible verses and that's going to make it all better. It's It's more about being conformed into the image of Christ as you're grappling with that issue. It's more about questioning, identifying your own blind spots in terms of weaknesses in faith, because these kind of things do expose us. Yeah. So when you're thinking about OCD, there is a strong physiological imp- uh, component there, uh, very much so. So we wouldn't want to send someone to the Bible w- with a OCD and just say, read
0: these passages, and hopefully it'll make it go away. That That's not a good pathway. because well, in your case study, <laughs> she, that's what she did. Because she was a Christian, his prayer yes. became... That compulsion to respond to the anxiety that was upon her. Yes. And in that, she's
1: missing the depth of relationship available to her, to the very creator, who is even using those obsessive-compulsive issues to conform her into the very image of Christ.
0: Right. In that particular case, the object of her concern Mm -hmm. and motive was the anxiety itself and not the Lord. That's right. Yeah. And...
1: When we're when we're parsing those things out with these folks, we want to have a lot of compassion. They need to; it needs to be highlighted. Yeah. But within the safety of the gospel, yeah, there's no condemnation here.
0: (laughs) The gospel is that safety net. That's actually a really good point. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, That's good. Do we want to suspend it here for the next one? Yeah. As we get into. Uh, the next part of this uh but starting with the the diagnostic and statistical manual and just kind of how our culture navigates that and and how they would uh try to help people yes uh and really the cure of that soul yes uh and their approach to that cure Mm -hmm. so that's good anything else all right thank you for listening and we'll see you guys next time